What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to everyone who has tuned in to listen to the MechaCast episode four. Uh, hope everything in your life is going fantastic at the time of you listening to this. David here, joined today by co-host Dylan Snyder. Dylan, what's going on? Hello, hello, hello. Feeling all right today? I'm getting there. Yeah. yeah. Dylan's still trying to recover. He just finished. <laughs> just I finished. Work, I work out all the time. These guys know that, so it's like exact opposite of that actually so I'm, I'm almost dying by all the time he means i haven't worked out in like weeks and i squatted today <laughs> that's what he means by all the time um well either way you squatted today so you're in that chick-fil-a when you get home um moving onward though we're not here to talk about dylan's uh lack of working out <laughs> We are here with our guest today, Eden Bloom, and Dylan and myself both have known Eden for, well, not that very long, honestly, a short amount of time, really, um, as she passed through and coached for Mecca uh, for a few months at one point. But regardless of the length of time, I think I speak for Dilly too when I say, man, we are just so lucky we're able to have her uh, and had her for the time that we did. Um, when I sat down to sort of write out this intro, I had asked Eden to send me over a little bio and I didn't have any real storytelling worthy personal interaction with her. And so I thought I'd simply start by sharing some notes about who she was and what she did and then we'd get into the conversation. What she sent me instead reminded me of like a high school gymnasium with all the banners hanging up of each of the sports they have to offer and all their conference championships and Whippeo and state titles. And look, I say that honestly to make you laugh, but I want to be clear that it was not sent in any sort of arrogant or braggart type of way at all. I just simply mean that what she sent me, it's, it's just kind of incredible what Eden has done and does. So what I'm going to do is just lift off, list off some of these certifications and accomplishments, and then you, the listener, can wonder for the rest of the podcast how we trick someone so incredibly talented and qualified to come onto this show, not to mention work for Mecca for a short period of time. So here we go, the resume, if you will. Eden is a certified strength and conditioning specialist, a functional range conditioning mobility specialist. She has a bachelor's degree in human biology and describes some of her core beliefs coming from being a movement quote unquote junkie. She kind of opposes the current sedentary lifestyle that a lot of us are living, believing that the more movement, the better, don't we all? She aims to give people better body awareness and set a foundation for higher performance and focuses on expanding beyond our habitual movement patterns to really give our bodies more options for movement. She coached both Body Lab and Boot Camp here at Mecca, as well as developed our first ever teen athlete camp over the summer. And side note, like I said before class, hope you come back for that next summer. We'll keep that rolling. She is currently the head coach of the Chatham University cross country and track and field teams, which is also her alma mater. In her time there, she has coached a conference champion in the men's triple jump, which is the first individual men's title for the school. She also has two current athletes, Lexi Page Boyd and Brent Blutter, who broke the women's discus and hammer throw records and the men's javelin record, respectfully. She designs all the strength training for both cross country and track and field teams. She is bringing in what is currently the largest recruiting class ever for the university. As a student, Eden still holds both the indoor and outdoor triple jump records for the school. And she did this all while competing as a three-sport athlete through college, cross-country, basketball, and track and field. She has been a performance coach for the last few years throughout the Pittsburgh area, working with combative athletes, basketball athletes, and young runners and endurance athletes, and is currently working on becoming a better jiu-jitsu athlete herself. Oh, and by the way, you're like two years, three years out of college. So, uh, yeah. 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 I don't know how many. Three? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot less time out of college than the rest of us. But thanks for being here, Eden. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. I'm like a little teary-eyed after uh, that long introduction. I'm like, did I write all that? Uh, so, so thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. It's it's really good to have you here. Um, so we'll just kind of dive into it. Floor is open. Um, Dylan might have some questions here today and stuff. But I guess I kind of wanted to start by saying we were all really excited and happy when you finally did get that, that offer from Chatham for the, the coaching position. Um, and aside from the facts and the accolades of the situation, um, 
just kind of fill us in. How's it going? Are you are loving it? What's uh, what are some challenges that you're facing? Let's just open this up. Yeah, I mean it's really sad to leave being at Mecca every day, but it's been it's been awesome so far. Um, as you mentioned, we did bring in a large recruiting class this year. Chatham in general uh, brought in their largest ever first year class, so there's just a lot more people on campus. Uh, so a really different environment than when I was there when I was an athlete, but also over the last two years when no one's really been there in person. So just to come in this year and have everyone back and have like no restrictions and have a full competition schedule and all those kinds of things has really been cool. And then to be in charge of that has been even more cool. Um, but it, it is definitely a lot of work. I mean, I've been an assistant with the program for the past two years. Uh, and in that time did take on a lot of responsibility outside of, you know, programming and coaching the jumpers and, and all those kinds of things and helped a little bit with recruiting and other administrative duties, but doing it all as the head coach is, is obviously a different story, but, uh, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, we have a very supportive, um, athletics administration, so it's, I've had a lot of help. I've definitely learned a lot and it's only been two and a half months. So, yeah. so, uh, knowing that we have an indoor season that is coming up, you know, wrapping up our cross country season over the next three weeks and then a full outdoor season. I mean, I'm anticipating learning a lot more, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to get into those seasons and add some assistance to my my coaching staff so that I'm not alone anymore and to help, you know, bounce ideas off people and learn a little bit from other coaches and, and give them their start too. I'm, I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. And actually, I wasn't even thinking about this, but when, when you said it, I kind of thought about, well, as much as I want to get into like the athletes and the coaching side of it, it's like, yeah, as a head coach, you kind of have to build a staff too. Yeah. So yeah. What, what is that like? I mean... In one sense, you're like hiring people for real jobs, but also briefly what we talked about even before we kind of turned the mics on is like you're, you're trying to build a culture there too. So what is that? What's that approach? What do you think you're looking for as far as a culture is concerned? And what do you think makes like the best staff? Sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's been hard, but like I just said, it's one thing that I was really excited about becoming a head coach is just knowing that there are people who are really interested in getting into coaching, and that is your first step. So being a smaller university and being um, in the position to coach both cross-country and track and field, you obviously have a lot of coaching needs. Mm -hmm. So for track, you need a throws coach, you need a sprints coach, you need a distance coach. Some programs have a mid-distance coach. You need a jumps coach. Uh, and then it's nice, too, if you have someone else who can be responsible for the strength and conditioning. Now, that being said, being at a smaller <laughs> university, then sometimes sometimes you have to wear a lot of hats. So uh, I do have a really good throws coach who's been here, and you know I kept him from the previous staff, uh, and we've added a couple more in there and a couple volunteer roles. So, I mean, really I'm looking for someone, first and foremost, who cares about your athletes. So regardless of where I'm coaching, and that's one thing that I really learned coaching at the high school level is you have to put so much time in just developing that person and especially over the last two years with a lot of these kids not being in school not having any kind of social interaction mm -hmm. you really need a staff that's just going to love those athletes to death it's going to be available and that really cares about them and, and what they're doing outside of sport so that's been like first and foremost what I'm looking for in someone who's coming on staff uh, and then secondly is it most that they have a desire to be there right so obviously you have to know a little bit about the sport but um, in any coaching position, I'd rather you be willing to learn and willing to put the time in than be an expert in that area if you can't communicate that well to the athletes or to me or, or work well with others. So um, just loving your athletes to death and really wanting to be there. And sometimes that can be hard. I mean, coaches don't get paid the most money in the world unless, you know, some of, some of them do. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, you don't go into coaching for the money. So, um, yeah, it's it's been that's one of the biggest challenges I think is hiring like a, a good staff and, and just making sure that you have people that are willing to put the time in knowing what they're getting out of it. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're getting a lot out of it if you're putting a lot into your athletes. So yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. I love that. We talk about that here too, even like coaching at a gym, uh, you know, instructing or leading a class, like there's not a lot of money in it. Uh, it can reap some other rewards, but yeah, showing up for a paycheck. We've got people here who care. Mm -hmm. and, and it's such an interesting... I, I think maybe for myself, too, like, I always kind of imagined that, like, I would be coaching. I always wanted to coach basketball. I'm coaching in a very much different realm now. But the care is 
it's it's always interesting to hear people talk about that as like the number one priority because when you're thinking about oh someone coaching at the collegiate level like they must have a lot of knowledge and certainly obviously your resume speaks for itself we'll probably keep making jokes about it but like <laughs> you have all the the accolades you have all the knowledge you have all the the letters that follow your name but it still comes down to do you want to be here and do you you care about the athletes so if that's the number one thing, I feel like there's this other element that we're not just really trying to build athletes, especially at like college level. Like they're still kids. Like, right, right. What are you really trying to build? Uh, relationships. Uh, so, like I said, and I'll keep coming back to this. Just you know, coming off the pandemic or still being in the pandemic, however you're looking at it. Um, a lot of yes, both. right, right, right. <laughs> um, a lot of relationships have struggled, uh, and you know, especially then being on a college campus, you're like, well, maybe the professors don't have office hours. Maybe they don't get to go home. You know, last year I had athletes that like we didn't have a spring break, and if we did, like they weren't allowed to go home. Thanksgiving, like we didn't come back because if you went away, you had to quarantine or you weren't allowed to be mm-hmm. on the team. You know, not not allowed, but like there were some restrictions in place. So, you know, coming off of that, there are just, you're noticing that they're looking for a good relationship, whether that be with their teammates, with their coaches, with, you know, their professors. Uh, There's just a really big void there right now. So, I mean, one thing, and one thing, and looking back on my athletic career, you know, there are a few mentors that, you know, I have from each phase of life, whether that be, you know, my my high school cross-country coach and track coach who was also my chemistry teacher or, you know, being my track and field coach that I had in college who was willing to take the time to explain training to me and, you know, write those letters of recommendation and, you know, who I still keep in touch with now, Um, you know, or to watching, you know, the head coach that I coach with at a high school level, seeing the relationships that he's built over 35 years and seeing those athletes, you know, reach out to him and invite him to weddings and, you know, like, you know, ask him for advice in their jobs and all those kinds of things. Like you are, you're helping those kids realize, you know, how to structure their day, how to, you know, to ask for help, how to find people that, you know, are, are going to be supportive for them. And that's something that they're going to take well beyond, you know, our one season or for us three seasons a year, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking at. I think you hit the nail on the head. Cause like, I guess mine's a totally different perspective because you you have those relationships with like other coaches and stuff for me my high school program no one cared about it at all and it was like a fading sport and they only cared about the football team which is all well and good and the coach did his best but wasn't there for the money was just kind of there to help out some kids and then he even got into college and when I got there it was kind of like an old school mentality where like they used to be the best and they're kind of just still relying on that even though we were nowhere near the best anymore and the only relationship I would have with anyone that I've been coached by is my assistant coach at the time, my senior year, who really stepped up and like showed that passion and love and care. And you see like people in the NBA and stuff, they're like texting their, their college coaches and they still talk and stuff. I'm like, I've never had that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably gotta be a pretty awesome thing to experience as a, as a coach. Um, so I feel like I certainly have a few, coaches myself that I look back on and I'm like oh yeah like they they made a difference mm-hmm. and it's funny because it like you it's it's not necessarily always at like the last level you were at it's like I can think back to some like my middle school basketball coaches mm-hmm. I'm like they certainly didn't teach me the most about basketball so like what is it about them that I'm like oh they were the best coach mm-hmm. you know I I guess it, it it opens the question like what is I mean, it's circling around this idea of relationships, obviously, because that's how we got to this question. But, like, what, what, what makes a good athletic coach? I get, well, this kind of leans into my question, too, what I'll ask later. But we'll touch around this, like, right now, because technically one person could love you and the other person that is friends with that person could definitely not. So, I mean, there's – we don't know. Like, that's, yeah. I guess, what we're trying to find out. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – I, just putting the time in, I mean, and we had a, a similar conversation on our team this week, and, you know, there will always be, and regardless of the situation, whether it's at work and even within your family or friends group, like, there will obviously be people that you gravitate towards mm-hmm. and you spend a lot of time with, and you have that coaching. Like, you have kids who want to know more, who ask a lot of questions, who, you know, 
maybe like to hang out with their coach more than their friends, which was, you know, probably me, like, you know, um, like depending on how big the class size is on the team too, right? Like how many people are in your class, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. But, um, just putting the time in. Because if you have coaches that aren't, you know, answering their their calls or answering their emails or text messages or however you communicate with your team, your team isn't going to ask anything of you. And if they're not asking thing of you, they're probably not going to remember you unless it's a, you know, a very bad situation and they look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, just putting the time in and creating an environment that is positive, but then also something that they want to be a part of and that they'll remember that way. So, I mean, I think just, just showing you care, right? No one knows how much you care until you show them or something along those lines, right? Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Um, it works. So, uh, we put it here first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, put it. Put the time in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that too. And, and it definitely speaks to like, there is like a level, uh, a different level of commitment from athletes too, right? Like, um, I think we look back on our careers and like, you know, there there are definitely sports that we took really seriously by no fault of any coach. Mm-hmm. Just was like, I don't know, for me, it was like the basketball thing and the baseball thing. I was like, I'm doing this. I want to do this. So you seek out that extra coaching. Um, and if you get it back, you probably like that coach. But I can also remember guys I played with who would not ask for help mm-hmm. but needed it and still got it. And those are the coaches that I look at that like, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe you're there for the ones who are asking for it, but also you're knowing the right buttons to press for the ones who need it but aren't asking for it. No, yeah, that's an interesting space for sure. I think student athletes build build better lives just by having coaches in their lives that aren't afraid to tell them the hard truths. And like, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, when I was making the decision to try for basketball in high school or continue swimming I asked the basketball coach like after two weeks and I've already made the team and stuff but I, I realized like I have a long way to go I just straight up asked him I was like hey if I'm trying to get a scholarship and I have a background in swimming I know it's going to be a couple years before I even get some playing time like is it a possibility do you think I'm good enough or should I swim thankfully he was like yeah man you should swim <laughs> so I mean uh, luckily though he told me the truth and like I can take that hard truth and I learned from that but that's, I mean, how old were you when you did that? Ninth grade. Right, like, so you're 14, Yeah. right? 14 yeah. years old. Like, I have to say most 14-year-olds are not going to do that, and are, they're not going to ask those questions, and they're not going to be that responsive to the negative feedback. So, again, like, how do you – it's almost as if, as a coach, you have, you have to breed – that mindset in athletes you have to somehow teach and show and coach your athletes to take truth as like truth mm-hmm. not as i dislike you not as like when i say you're bad at this that you are a bad person mm-hmm. just that like there's room for improvement to achieve what we're trying to achieve here which on one sense is like yeah like championships i guess or winning but also the other thing is like Maybe it's just like, can I show you a blueprint for improving? And whether that's winning or getting a championship, it's still a blueprint that you can take to improve at your future job or in your future relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's one. We spend a lot of time on that, right? We we have a lot of goal setting meetings and whether that be short term, long term, like throughout the course of your four years here, you know, what are you doing next week? What are you doing today? Um, and then we revisit that. Just just having someone who knows what you're looking to get out of it, regardless of whether that's, um, you know, a championship or a time, or if that's something that has to do with your schoolwork or building relationships. Like the amount of goals that athletes have shared with me, they're you know they're far they're far ranging. So just getting that point across that this is not just something that we're doing to get you better at running, but it's something that we're doing to get you better for everything that you'll do after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that yeah we spend a lot of time just setting goals and, and helping keep each other accountable so I love that approach I'd love to see that I think even at the high school level uh, you know for young athletes and stuff and I think even in, in the gym here I mean, we're working I, I guess we would say with adults here but still I think we do try to promote an atmosphere that says like um, 
yeah, I mean, we're squatting today, but really it's about the intent and your approach to the squatting because you can take this intent and approach to your sleep and your job and, again, your relationships. I think about this question, too, because I think it influences us as coaches. But what do you think, like, personally is the number one thing, like, you took away as an athlete from sports? Like, if... And maybe you can't pinpoint it. Maybe it's a concept or you need to talk around it a little bit. But, yeah, if I just kind of sat down and asked that question to you, like, um, you know, like, track and field across country made you a better runner. But, like, what what did that really do for you? Why did you do that? Why did you pursue those things? What did you feel like the sport rather than maybe a coach gave back to you? Um, I mean, it's a good – it's a really good question <laughs> one that I think about a lot. Uh, I think – Overall, I mean, and it sounds like everyone says this, right? Like discipline, work ethic. Um, but I'm. It's only been recently that I've realized that it's come from sport. I mean, I grew up playing a lot of sports. Like, a, you know, I started gymnastics when I was two, and then you'd pick up ice skating, basketball, soccer, like dance, cheerleading, track and field, cross country, basketball, golf. Like, you know, I tried all of it, right? Um, but then you you know you leave school. As long as her resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a, it's a long list. <laughs> um, but then it's like from from such a young age, it was like I left school and I went to a practice after school, and then my mom would like bring me dinner and we would go to dance class for six hours, and then you come home and like you do it all over again. Um, and now looking back, it's like well, I can't coach because I don't make enough money to be a coach. And the last couple of years, it's like that. I wanted to be a coach, so how can I make the money to make it work? So it was, and you know, you guys know here especially, it's like I would coach here and have this other job and coach here, and that's one how you get so much coaching experience because you have to piecemeal it all together. Um, but there's just something I was willing to do because I was used to it. And I think a lot of times people don't realize, well, like, yes, a sport requires a lot of sacrifice, and yes, for the most part, your coach dictates a schedule that you follow and try to fit other things in around it. Um, but at the same time, like I, whether I, you know, thought about it or not, when I was 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I was choosing to do one thing after the next and just busy all the time. And that's just translated into adulthood. So if I want experience, if I want to learn something, I can schedule those blocks into my day. It doesn't feel like a lot of work to me because I've been doing it now for so long, even though it wasn't work experience or work related or, you know, whatever, um, but it's all attributed to sports. It wasn't, I mean, I was involved, obviously I was very involved in school too, but a lot of that wasn't after school, but you know, can you go to cross country practice on a Friday night, cheer at a football game, wake up and run a cross country meet in the morning and then like do that all year. And then, you know, go into basketball season or whatever. Um, it, it makes work life feel a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> you hit so many things. That I was like, <laughs> Like making, like you don't make enough to coach, but I want to coach. So I have to, I have to make the coaching and the experience the priority rather than like the money. And we talk about all the time, like looking for, okay, who might make like a nice full-time staff here or this and that is like just looking at who's going to make this a priority because we, we might love you, but like we can't, we can't offer you what you're making right now, your full-time job. Like we can't. So that, that's a big piece to it, too, of what I think we define as a successful coach here, let alone an actual, like, athletic program. It's just, like, who's going to make the time for it? Mm -hmm. Like, it goes back to the first thing we said. Like, you have to be passionate about it. You have to want to be here. Mm -hmm. You literally stole those thoughts right yeah. out of my head. <laughs> yeah. Right out of my head. That's, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, two things, or three things, actually. Uh, first, you named off all those sports, and it flashed back to when I did Eden's one-on-one. -on -one, and I was like, hey just come in like for 30 minutes I don't think it'll take longer than 30 minutes <laughs> it took like 10 minutes <laughs> you moved super well and I was like yeah this isn't hard at all and like you picked up the Olympic lifts fast so I, I yeah totally makes sense um, now <laughs> makes sense yeah, yeah. Uh, the second thing you, you like spoke on the word choosing like yeah there's so many people nowadays they look at their calendar they look at their list or they just roll or wait, wake up in bed and they're like I have so much to do today but early on taking those choices and understanding yes what I want to go to is this mm -hmm. I have to make these choices now so I'm going to build this habit and you just decide and you go you know and that shows 
in your character still. Like, that's how we, we saw you. And then the third thing, when it gets into that full-time stuff, that's we literally would have our one-on-ones, and we would think, like, who should we, like, look at for full-time if it's possible? And I've even had side combos with you, and I well, even we, said we it. tried. You came up. We so tried. Many yeah, times. we tried, we tried so, so many times. Um, like Eden, right? Everyone's on board with Eden. Yeah, let's make Eden full time. Yeah. yeah. And and I I brought it to the table and I was like, listen, guys, she has a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> and like I kept because I would see like we're early in the mornings and I'm like, hey, what do you got for today? And you're like, well, this and then this. And I was like, and you were here last night, right? And you're like, yeah. It's like, did you sleep? You're like, mm, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, like, we saw how much you had, and that, that shows over too. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see how it can, it can lead to that structure, I guess is the word. And you talk about the discipline, and I know you started that off by saying, like, well, everyone says this, and it's kind of cliche, but it really does come back to how you define it because we can pick a, cliche topic and when you start getting into the details with people and you start understanding like how they define it um you know there are times where like semantics matter like there's there's a dictionary definition of discipline but then there's discipline in the context of sports and there's discipline in the context of your relationships and that's when it becomes not cliche when you start to realize like yeah this is this is kind of defined differently in Really what I hear like with your discipline is like sports just set you up to be able to learn how to go after what you want. Right, right. And that's like what I'm realizing now, um, especially in the number of jobs in different settings I've worked in over the last year. It's like, that's it. You know, that really set me up for this. And if you've, you know, approached sports and competition my whole life with like, I, I just want to be the best I can be and I want to do well for those that are involved in, in whatever it is. That's one thing that, you know, if I was working in an office over the last year, like I'm doing the best I can for my team. And, you know, sometimes your other team members, coworkers don't do that. Um, and I think it all comes back to sport and just, you know, having such high involvement in, in sports my whole life. So I wish I could scream that from the mountaintop. Like the most successful people do not care about the result. The most successful people are just like, my job here and my goal here today is to like to play the best game I can possibly play, to run the best race I can possibly run. It is never I I have to win today or everything is over or I'm doomed. And and I think that's the difference too between having like that burnout and that forced kind of mentality. Like if 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 you're going into a game and you're riding everything on winning or losing like you're gonna get the shit beat out of you because like you're going to lose not necessarily that specific game mm-hmm. but like you're not gonna win every game ever that you ever play mm-hmm. so if so much is like so much of your emphasis is on that I mean you'll get the you'll get the crap kicked out of you I mean it goes for like job interviews too like I've worked so hard to like graduate from this university and get this degree and then you go into a job interview and you don't get it and it's just like Oh, all that for nothing. Well, no, because you've made yourself such a better person. Um, and so I think that focus allows you to be like, okay, this didn't work out, but I know I'm I'm really good at this or that, and where's the next opportunity lie? It's, it's cool you say that, too, because there's like, it's got to be so different now with social media for these for these kids growing up. Like, it's, it has to be so different. And some of the coaches that I follow, like the lifting coaches – they keep telling the young ones, they're like, hey, you're in here to train. Your phone better not be anywhere near you. Like, you're here to focus. And if you're not dreaming of this stuff or you're laying in bed at night and you're not thinking about it, you're not in the right sport. And that's got to be crazy different nowadays, for some at least. Do you let, you let phones in practice? Uh, I mean, we don't, but it's like, I don't know, it's different. No one really yeah. wants to run with their phone. True. <laughs> well, yeah, so, like, so we don't really run, run into that. Literally, mm-hmm. we don't run into that issue too much. Um, yeah, because we're like, we stack our lifting with our runs a lot of times. So like, you don't have your phones with you before you, you know, go to run. Um, but also then I guess on the flip side, like everyone 
has an Apple Watch now, so they kind of mm-hmm. all have their phones, right? Um, yeah, but no, we don't really have that issue, but it is something that I think in other sports you see a lot, or it's like, oh, it looks so easy on social media, or, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, look at, you, you can just do this, this, and this, or why are we doing this if I see this on, you know, social media, and it's like, well, you don't, that's not all that they're doing, or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it is, like, you don't know, and they're not putting the full story out there anyway, so you can't, you can't live by whatever they're showing you on their Instagram, mm-hmm. but... Sarah talks about putting filters on things. I'm like, you, social media itself is a filter. Yeah, yeah like, right. That it, that is a filter. Yeah. You know, um, well, not really the phone thing, but also going back to what sport has given you. I have to imagine, obviously, that then influences like how you coach. Um, so you're not to, like obviously name names or call any like of your athletes specifically, but. Um, what is it like maybe to talk about better better question (laughs) better question it's just like maybe talk about the difference between when you see yourself and an athlete um you know what it's like to coach them versus when you're seeing you know not yourself and athletes and coaching them too it's like you know different approaches obviously to get the same result with them but uh yeah what's that like there's the different dynamics just continue to talk about kind of the relationships you're building yeah i mean like we touched on earlier, like all athletes, I mean, they want something different out of kind of what, of sport. Um, so, I mean, there are definitely, you do have athletes that you're like, wow, I see a lot of myself in this, where you see like a lot of yourself as an athlete at that time, or potentially a lot of yourself as you are now. Um, and I think that's one thing that's been cool coaching is like, you had this experience as an athlete, you know, you have this experience post athlete even though I still consider myself an athlete and then uh you know you have the experience coaching and sometimes it's hard to I don't I don't really know how to put this like not remember but it's like you you have to think back of of your journey through athletics too and there are different like my relationship with athletics has changed over all of the years that I've been an athlete so there are so many different points that I'm able to kind of like look at an athlete and say oh, they're experiencing this in a a similar way that I experienced this season and that year. And I have this athlete that's like, oh, that was me when I was competing in graduate school because by that point I'd been a collegiate athlete for five years and finally figured it out. You know, like, (laughs) so all these things you're seeing, you're like, man, they got to it earlier. Um, So like, I don't, just because I've had such diverse experiences and have such, you know, a long history with it, I think that you're able to pick out different pieces of all of your athletes and kind of figure out where, what kind of headspace they're in what they're looking to get out of it, and how you can best help them get there. Um, does that kind of answer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I think that's actually great advice for like any coach, whether it, it be like an athletic program or a CrossFit coach at a gym or even something like a yoga instructor is not putting that sort of Disney-like film over your life and your experience. Like, be able to step back and say... Well, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, I talk about my sport career like it was this magical thing and it gave me all this stuff, but I can also look back and see the reality of it was like, yeah, there were there were years where I was like, no, nah, I'm done with this shit, <laughs> you know? And then there were years where I'm like, I will do nothing but this for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome to hear that perspective and talk about, I can kind of remember all those different phases and see those in different athletes and that's your that's your connection mark. That's your relationship mark right there. It can really like spark from there. Uh, so, if we're continuing talking about, I, mean, I feel like we've been circling around this. Like, what's it mean to coach? What's it like to coach? What is a coach and stuff like that? What are like different approaches that you've taken for <laughs> collegiate athletes or sport specific athletes versus coaching at a gym like Mecca? I mean. I got to feel way different approach to like boot camp class here than, <laughs> mm-hmm. than, yo, we got training today and we got to meet tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's very different experiences. <laughs> um, I mean, even coaching at different levels, even at the same sport or different sports or, you know, being on a team setting, high school setting, whatever it is, they're all very different. Um, but I think in any place it's, one thing that's helped me the most is knowing my role. So obviously it's like, yes, I am head coach, uh, but that role is bigger than head coach because then you have to, to fill all these little voids that we're talking about kind of and give the training and, you know, um, 
be the contact point for everything. But like when you're an assistant coach, it's like, what is my role? Okay, there is a sport specific thing that I need to do and there is training that I'm responsible for, but I am like the contact with if they're afraid to talk to the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I mean, even in like, if you're coaching in a gym and, and more gen pop, like you still have a lot of those roles, right? Like, you know, yeah. someone can talk to me like, hey, I'm here every morning at 6 a.m. boot camp and what do they do in CrossFit today? That looks fun, but also I'm scared and, and Dylan is scary. <laughs> so, you know, you have like a lot of those conversations too because you're still not yeah. like, I'm not Dylan, you know? Yeah. So the, if those people have questions and feel more comfortable talking to me, like that's my role, mm-hmm. you know, to the extent that I can explain to them what they're doing in CrossFit and why, uh, and then directing them onwards. Uh, so I think that explains a little bit of that. How can I go a little bit deeper into that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's awesome. I think you see this in professional sports a lot, like, you know, coordinators or um, position specialists, like coaches, um, they do, you know, such a good job, and then they get the opportunity for a head coaching job or head manager job of, you know, whatever sport it may be, and then no, if we're talking about results, no success as, like, a head coach. And it's like... How how does that happen? They they've 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 never not produced, mm-hmm. and I think it does speak to knowing your role. Like sometimes in those coordinators and those assistant positions is a very specifically defined role, and head coach is like now you're in charge of everything. You're like, well, what's everything? And they're just like, oh, I don't know, it's everything. <laughs> you know, figure it out. Um, so that's a new space too. It's like not only are you in charge of coaching your athletes and developing programs and things like that, but you also kind of have to figure yourself out in that space. So yeah, what's figuring yourself out been like since you got this job? <laughs> I mean, like I said, I've learned a lot. And I think that like now this conversation um, goes back to like hiring your support staff. Um, yeah. But it, it takes some time, and when you just get thrown into it, and you're like, okay, well, what realistically, what can I manage, and what do I feel comfortable being the specialist at? And I mean, you're in a unique position. At, typically, if you ran cross country and track and field, you had a pretty broad experience. Um, and in my experience, I did different events, so I, I learned a lot of things. So, I mean, that being said, that's been helpful in that, like, oh, if I can't find someone to do, to coach hurdles or to coach this, like, I. I've done it a couple times. I, you know, we can get through it. Yeah. Um, but that's been the hardest part is, you know, prioritizing all of the things that you need to get done and what would you feel comfortable giving to someone else if they can give you a couple more hours a week outside of sport coaching um, and, you know, filling in those gaps in your day because it is everything and you don't realize what everything is until it's like, you have expense reports and travel itineraries and did you get a coach bus and will that bus break down and like we need new gear and our uniforms are three months late because of COVID and you know like all of these kinds of things and you're just like what what else could go wrong you know so it takes it's a lot of trial and error but I mean at the end of the day when things have gone wrong and we've had days that things have gone really wrong and I'm like oh my god I don't know if I can even face my team tomorrow you know and they're like coach, you're doing a good job because they're, as long as they have an environment that they want to come to, I can figure out the rest of that stuff. And, you know, track season doesn't start for a few more weeks, so if we need to find a different coach or if that coach is not a good fit or whatever, we'll get that stuff. But my role is making sure that you're having a good time. So mm-hmm. uh, that's been one thing that's like, yes, I have so many different hats and there are so many different roles that need to be fulfilled. But at the end of the day, if I don't get X, Y, and Z done, my you know athletic department knows it will get done all my deadlines have been hit but mm-hmm. you know making sure that those athletes are safe and healthy and, and having fun yeah. that's most important so mm-hmm. yeah creating an environment it feels like a, a, a nice little like bow on that not that the, the conversation is done but that really is something regardless of all the deadlines regardless of the list of things on the to-do list the task list right is like the environment is conducive to ultimately what we want, which is, you know, growth of some aspect, right? Um, but I'm kind of laughing here as you're saying all this stuff too because I know, like, Dylan in his head is just thinking, like, how does anyone fit this much shit in her day? And his, like, fist is just getting tighter and tighter and tighter on the mark, just totally panicked. Like, the amount of work capacity that 
differs from person to person. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of a really interesting concept to get into. You don't you seem like you thrive in that sort of environment, like highly structured, lots of things to do, mm-hmm. um, and no shade, maybe a little shade, but Dylan definitely does not thrive in that environment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because we did come full circle. You just said like you have these days where things go wrong, but like I'm not going to get X, Y, and Z done today, and that's okay. And that's coming through from what we said earlier. A long time ago, you've learned those habits of choosing to do things, missing out on others, understanding it's okay, but in the end, it'll all work out, and it's still shining through now, so I think think that was a cool circle to go through. But yeah, like, in, in some ways, Dave's right, obviously. Like, I have stuff on my plate, Dave's got stuff on his, Sarah's got stuff on hers, you've got stuff on yours, and everyone adapts differently. There, there is maybe it was sport and stuff that made me understand when I am busier, I actually do better than when I'm not that busy. Like when I'm not that busy, if there was a laziness championships, I'd win it. Like (laughs) I would absolutely win it. So that's crazy too. Yeah. And, and I think it's really interesting to the difference between like putting yourself in that situation. Again, like it sounds like, you know, you're the one in charge of making that schedule and, 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 creating your life and letting it be that way versus when you're like thrown into it mm-hmm. you know and, and there's definitely moments there of like panic and stuff I'm kind of curious as as a coach of like I mean I guess you call them young adults but like they're really kids still <laughs> um, their panic moments when you are also in a panic moment um What's the approach there? What What are the mindset tricks that you're like, you know, I've got to, you know, do you ignore yourself in that moment or is it a matter of like, okay, use where I'm at to relate to this this, this person, this kid, this athlete? Because, um, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not always you're fine and they're panicked and you can control that or you're panicked and they're fine. You know, there's going to be moments where it's panic and panic. So how do you meet, how do you meet that? Yeah, I mean... Luckily, we haven't had too many situations where it's been panic and panic. Um, there have been a couple instances over the last couple years that, you know, whether it be like a you know medical reason or an injury or something along those lines, that it is very serious. And unfortunately, no coach wants to go through that. But just being like, you know, basketball has a lot of ACL tears and running has this and, you know, whatever. I've been a lot, around a lot of those situations, and I think the biggest thing is just making sure that there isn't a panic-on-panic panic moment. And, you know, if the athlete sees that you're panicked, most times that's making them panic more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just trying to forget about whatever might be stressful for me and making sure that, once again, like, they're in a safe environment uh, so that we can get through it. And then controlling whatever it is I can control. If you have to call an ambulance or go to the ER or whatever, because that's happened, you know, just making sure that... I can control the fact that I can talk to the doctor because they can't or, you know, I can reach out to family members or whatever because they can't or, you know, and that's an extreme case, but just finding a way to, to realize that if they're panicked, like they need something to kind of hold on to and you're probably that person. So making sure that there isn't a panic on panic moment is as much as possible. Um, but I think that, you know, for the most part, whenever I'm around athletes, like I tend to forget what my panic, you know, moments are, or like if there are things that are bothering me, like that tends to be like, all right, athletes are here and then they're gone. And then you can think about it because in the moment, like we've talked about, it's all like, this is our team environment. What does our team need? And then if I'm removed, I can focus on whatever I need to do. Um, so that's probably that, that is the way that I have approached everything. Um, (laughs) luckily or unluckily, like I said, I've been in some extreme cases so far. So like, it's been good to have those under the belt so that those lesser and not even I don't want to say lesser but you know if but lesser <laughs> you know panic yeah. situations you can handle a little bit better yeah so so far I mean when we spin off on that getting into st- like obviously accepting a position knowing like wow I've just accepted a head coaching <laughs> position at a university but that probably adds a ton of pressure has there been anything surprisingly going the different way the opposite way of what you thought it would like has anything been you thought it was going to be extremely hard that's actually not has anything been very the opposite anything like that yeah i mean i think that overall like just 
the workload and like my relationship with it has been a little surprising. And I mean, I think this goes back to like what we were saying and um, my fiance and I joke about it all the time because I've always choose, like I've chosen to have five jobs at one time. So when I have like one job, Mm-hmm. Or two or three, whatever <laughs> I still have right now, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> David made it sound like I don't still. I'm still like sometimes I pop up here, you know. I still work <laughs> at a high school, like those kinds of things. But it's like second priority. Um, like just having the fact that, like, yes, I have now all day to get these things done, and it's like, oh, but that's not healthy because you're working at five forty-five in the morning yeah. and at eleven p.m. But I don't mind that. And like I said, because it, a lot of it doesn't feel like work. If it's like your athletes and someone to talk to or you're helping it out or yeah. you're programming or whatever it is, right. like you're learning more about how to program. Like mm-hmm. that is my job. Yeah. So then that doesn't feel like work to me. So then a lot of days I'm like, did I get anything done today? And I'm like, well, I, I did, but it isn't like I don't dread doing it. So I think mm-hmm. that that's, and not that I thought like, oh, I'll go in and dread doing this, but I think that just that feeling and, once again, it's so cliche, right? If you like what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> yeah. And there is, there are definitely things that feel like work. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's like I can work all day long and be accessible to this person, this person, this person, and it doesn't feel like I'm working all day. Yeah. So that's probably like, I'd say the most surprising thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how track season comes around and you have mm-hmm. more practices in a day yeah, and all yeah. those kinds of things. But yeah, that's that's been most surprising. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like, I mean, again, different people have different work capacities. So... For someone to look at you and say like, oh, you got to slow down, you're going to burn out. They're speaking from their own perspective. They're looking at it as like, if I did all of that, I would be burnt out. Therefore, you need to watch because you'll get burnt out. And that's not necessarily true. Like being able, I think, to have that introspection and say, no, this is okay to me. Like this is okay. But it does kind of beg the question of, you know, when do you get because – Coaching, any level, any capacity, and we've talked about it in all three previous episodes, and we really talked about it a lot here, is like, it's about giving. It's not just about the programming, it's not just about building the athlete, it's about building like the person, and it's a job full of giving. You have to give your time to studying and learning new techniques and new training. You have to give your emotional well-being to the athlete who's injured and is really worried about their career or their health and it's just give 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 um where do you take time in such a busy schedule that again you love but where do you get and don't don't come at me with so like oh whenever they're happy i get so much i get so much from that like yeah we all do it feels good when something like you've done helps someone actually get to where they want to be but yeah where do you get is it is it a pause uh would you explain it as something different like yeah i mean well even though you said don't say that there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of times that help us um, define it better right there are a lot of times like not just seeing them happy but I do have, I mean, Chatham has a lot of health professional programs and we have a lot of athletes who are like exercise science majors and all those kinds of things. So one thing that I really, really love about being in this position is like helping them find internships or, you know, volunteer opportunities or those kinds of things. And then getting to talk about things that they're learning. So like, even though I'm not, and coaching is definitely teaching, but I'm not their teacher or professor. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one thing that I feel like I'm I get something back because then I get to have these conversations much like we would have when we're sitting here, mm-hmm. uh, but with someone who's just learning it for the first time and might not have been able to apply it yet, uh, or getting to share, although still kind of small, but growing network with, you know, these young adults and finding them a place that they can go work and then hearing like, wow, that athlete that you sent me, like, they're really good. And I'm like, oh, good. Cause it's nothing, it has nothing to do with athletics. Like they're just a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that kind of stuff is nice. And I think that once again, that goes back to like how much time you're putting into, you know, your athletes outside of just making sure that they're good athletes. So I like to hear that there are things that one, that they want to do outside of athletics and outside of mandatory things they have to do for school. And then two, that they're doing really well and that I could help them get there. Um, but then outside of that, I mean, I, I definitely do schedule time to make sure that I get whatever I want out of life too. Cause it's, if you're telling your athletes, like, you need to set goals and you need to do this and you know, whatever, then you have to do it too. So there, you know, I still make sure that there is something 
competitive that I'm working towards or there's some kind of skill that I'm looking to get or, you know, setting some goals, setting time aside every day or, you know, at least four days a week or whatever it is to make sure that I'm getting X, Y, and Z done. Um, I mean, that's my time where I can be like, okay, I really can't answer anything at this point. I am offline for an hour or an hour and a half or whatever and I can get that time to myself because it is long and coaching it's it's long hours and especially in this sport especially at a small school like it is three seasons out of the year it is six or seven days a week like when you have a day off you have to go watch a high school meet or whatever like it's that's a lot of stuff yeah I would say we didn't even like get to recruiting <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah recruiting so process of it right so I do have to make sure that there that I am scheduling time for myself because all like obviously some weeks will be heavier than others and you you won't have time to do it but then a lot of other coaches can be like oh well, I'll get through fall ball and and then I have the season off or you know once we get through fall and then we have a spring session but we get a season off like there isn't a season off yeah. for yeah, running. No. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, they're like, when do you get off? I'm like, um, Christmas break. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, there's one hour on Christmas Day that, that <laughs> right, I don't right. have anything planned at the moment. Right. So, I mean, making sure, just keeping that in mind that it is such a long year, you have to find time every day because it adds up. And if you're waiting to be like, oh, it's the end of the season or whatever – that means that maybe June through August you have off, like maybe, but you still are working and you still are recruiting and you still are making sure that you're, you know, learning so that you can have a really good program when your athletes come in in the fall. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's when I get, you know, that's when I get. Sure. Yeah. I do, I do want to bring up the recruiting thing, um, real quick and this doesn't have to be, you know, a 40 minute conversation, but in, in the scope of, you know, building an environment and caring about growing the person and really giving, you know, if coaching is giving people tools to be successful uh, in life, not just at the sport itself. Then you have this aspect of recruiting where you kind of have to be a judge. You have to like show up and you have a 16 or a 17 or an 18 year old kid and there is an element of having to be like, you're good enough, you're not good enough. And I mean, that hurts me to kind of say that out loud. Um, so I know there's a lot more to it. Um, what's the mind frame like when you're going into that? I mean, you're going to, re- you're going to watch somebody right after this podcast. Even. Mm-hmm. So what's the mind frame going into it like? Is it at this point, I'm just looking to see if physically someone has the tools or I'm way much more concerned with their personality and if they'll fit with the program um i mean obviously there's give and take but yeah what's the mind frame yeah i mean recruiting's definitely been hard for the last two years anyway because a lot of these things that you have to assess in a potential athlete it's just been hard to do it you know can we get them on campus can we get them around the team can they stay overnight on the university's campus like all of these things that you would be able to see like okay I can see your times and and that is good enough or it could get better or whatever Um, but how do you interact with the team we don't know and like unfortunately we're in a position right now where we're not hosting overnight visits like yes they can come and visit Mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of schools are kind of grappling with but um it really is like, okay, how do they talk to you in person? Like, does it seem like they are okay building relationships with someone they don't really know right away? Just because, like I said, based on the last two years, that's been something that they haven't had an opportunity to do. So making the most out of those, like, few interactions that you can have and trying to get them around the team. So whenever we do have people on campus, like, do they fold themselves into a conversation really well? Are they asking to come to campus? Do they ask about what the team's like? Or are they just kind of like, yeah, I'm interested in running in school, like, cool, you know? So, which you have a lot of those kids, because they just, they don't know if they want to do it, they don't know if the school's right, they don't really know the questions that they want to ask, um, and that then becomes, like, a harder judge, because it's, like you said, at some point, they are 17, 18 years old, and they just might not know. Um, but for the most part, like, if if they're coming to a smaller Division three school, like, they know, like, hey... I'm not getting paid to do this. I have to, A, like the sport a lot. I have to know if I like the coach, and I have to like the team. So, I mean, those are, like, the big three. So when we get them on campus, you know, I, I try to get my athletes around them as much as I can, and if I notice, like, my 
you know, athletes are asking them what their favorite snacks are and they think that's not a weird conversation or whatever, like then they're probably fine. (laughs) So, um, you know, all those kinds of things. And I think that one thing that's been helpful for me and not every coach is going to have, you know, this luxury, but being so familiar with the university and, and having it from a student perspective and a coach perspective. And like my sister went to the university too. Like I am, I feel very comfortable to talk about things that your experience, you know, everything that you need to know about it. Uh, and that's one thing that's been super helpful for me because parents like to know that too. And, yeah, and yeah. also like when you're recruiting, you're not just recruiting the kid at this level, like you're recruiting their family. And I think yeah. that a lot of times, you know, people don't realize that. Uh, so, you know, getting the parents involved, getting your athletes involved, if they have siblings or family, whoever is, is close to them, um, because the kid isn't making the decision on their own. So, making sure that you do involve, you know, more than just the athlete and making sure that you're doing more than just like sending them some text messages, even that's, even though that's the only way that they'll answer you most of the time, um, (laughs) you know, they still love to get handwritten letters or, you know, emails from athletes, those kinds of things that, uh, you know, just seem a little bit more like laborious and old school, but that's what they're going to connect with. Well, there's a lot of there's a level of like human touch with the with the extra right? a handwritten like, letter. That sounds like five levels of human touch right there. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's insane. Dude. But but really like I mean think about that like you you're a senior in high school or junior in high school and you go to visit a campus and their best athlete sends you a letter and it's like this place is awesome. Thanks for coming to visit. Hope I can see you here next year. You know that's like. Um, Man, like, you just feel, like, wanted. Mm-hmm. You just feel wanted. Um, and that's a really healthy environment to have. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's interesting, though, because then you got to be careful with that. Like, oh, you promised me all these things. Mm. Well, I don't really promise you anything. We just said, like, we want to have you here. We think you're good. But, you know, so, again, you have to vet, too. Not only do they fit in personally, but do they have that ability to take, like, constructive feedback, too? Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. That was really cool that you said about like family part. Cause, like, yeah. That, that's something I didn't realize until you said it, you know, like, and there's some kids that come from family life that wasn't so great. And then there's some kids that come from family life. That's all they have, you know, and that's such a huge level on top of it where you're like, wow, I mean, what does your family think of this? Are you guys all in here? Could you see yourself here? Could you not see yourself? That's, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> there, there's, I mean, it's, it's sales-ish to a point, you know, kind of. But, like, you know, my cousin used to say, my, my cousin was, uh, he's always kind of been in sales, and, and he's pretty successful at it. And I know having conversations with him, one of the things he said is, whenever I go into a home to sell, I think he sells, like, software or whatever, business or a home or whatever. Um, I don't know if I say home, a business. He's like, what I'm really trying to do is, like, the boss that I'm talking to I'm trying to get him to like me so much that like he would want to like take me fishing. It has nothing to do with like selling the software. He's like, if, if this guy likes me enough that he'd be like, wow, like, Hey, we should, we should go out next Saturday together. Like go fishing or like, you know what I mean? Do something together. He's like, then I've pretty much like made the sale and it's the boss's decision, but it's going for the whole company. That's kind of how I think about like, if you, uh, if you walk into home and mom and dad like you, it's not guaranteed, obviously, but it's just like, you know, that's, that's, they're like, yeah, you can, you can take our baby, <laughs> you know, we feel safe giving you our baby. And so much more likely to probably make you and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, don't want to put you on the spot, but if there's anything else about recruiting you want to add, why why should I look at Chatham University for track and field? <laughs> oh, I didn't I didn't anticipate this to be a marketing. Um, I mean, hey, I'm just just giving you a chance to shoot your shot. You don't have to take it. Yeah, I mean, no, it's a great university. I mean, I, yeah, like it doesn't feel like sale if you believe in it, right? So I think well, you that invested. You were you were an athlete there, right? You were a student there, so was your sister, and now you're the coach there. Yeah, I mean, I just think that. I mean, I think that in and of itself says a lot about it. So. Um, I know that especially when parents are like, oh, wow, you've been here. Like, you get it. You didn't, you don't just pay your bills, your tuition bills and like forget about the place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that says a lot about it, but I mean, it's a, it's a great campus and a great part of the city. Uh, you know, we have a lot of other universities around. So even though it's a small school, like they still get like that big city, big college environment being right next to Pitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the academic side of it is 
you know, has is, there's no comparison. I think they they offer pretty much everything that you could want. Um, I might be a little bit biased because I wanted to be in a health profession and still, I guess, in a way that's what I am. So I think that they just have so many offers that are unrivaled by a lot of similarly sized schools. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a great place. Awesome, love it. Um, well, send us some of those exercise science interns. I'm trying. Cool. <laughs> All right, we're here. Um, and then last thing, and we can add some of this um, in actual text, like when we, we post the episode itself. But if people are interested in getting a hold of you, whether it be for uh, track and field, like recruiting and things like that, or just for some more knowledge on fitness itself, I know we didn't dive into that too much, but obviously the letters after your name speak for themselves. Um, where can they find you and how can they? get in contact with you sure i mean i email all the time so <laughs> you can send me an email at e.bloom at chatham.edu uh put that in the show notes because no one knows how to spell chatham yeah. um and <laughs> um also like instagram which is underscore eden bloom very easy so uh sorry athletes you can't follow me but everyone else if you're not my athlete you can follow me uh and yeah and we can we can hop in a little discussion there Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. I appreciate it. Dilly, thanks as always for being by my side. Word. Sarah, excellent job on the, the sticks behind the scenes, <laughs> as always. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon for the next episode. Appreciate you guys. Peace.